there, and thank you for listening to Call of the Week. I'm Ginger Rousey, and joining us by phone this week is our special guest, Dr. Virginia Sykes. She is an assistant professor of plant sciences located in Knoxville. She's also the coordinator for the Agronomic Variety Testing Program and the Agroecology Specialist. Uh, Virginia, we're very glad to have you, and thank you for joining us by phone. Well, thank you, Ginger. Explain exactly what an agroecology specialist is. <laughs> okay, well, I get that question quite a bit, actually. So agroecology is looking at our agricultural production systems from a, a bigger picture. So looking at all the things that interact with that production system and trying to look at different management practices that help build resilience in that system. So things like cover crops or crop rotation or intercropping are all things that I work on. Well, that ties into our topic for this, this week's Call of the Week, which is about cover crops, and, and you've just finished a couple years of research uh, on cover crop variety. Can you, can you briefly just summarize your findings on cover crops from the past two years? Sure. So over the past two years, we've looked at 17 different cover crop species, and we looked at them across the state, so East, Middle, and West Tennessee. So a lot of these species, we've gotten information from places like Oregon or Pennsylvania, and they have very different environments from what we have here in Tennessee. So we wanted to see how well adapted these are to our region, and in particular to two different types of production systems that are pretty prevalent here in Tennessee. A corn-soybean rotation, which gives you a fairly long cover crop growing season, and then a soybean-corn rotation, which really reduces that cover crop growing season by about a month on each side. Um, we looked at various things like cover across the growing season because that is important for things like reducing your erosion and nutrient scavenging, and then also how much biomass you got from each of these species at termination because that can impact your ability to suppress weeds and also nutrient management at the end of the season. So in, in both of those systems, Really, we had a few species that stood out as winners, um, and those were things like winter pea or woolly pod vetch, hairy vetch, crimson clover, and then most of our cereals. And then our brassicas, we did see some differences between our long and our short seasons. Okay. Well, I mean, so you, and you, you mentioned in your research that the cover crops with the long growing season provided the better ground cover. And I know it seems like we're probably at the tail end of what would be considered a long-growing season. So what should farmers who are out there listening and that may be looking at a shorter growing, a shorter cover crop growing season take into consideration when making seed decisions? And, you know, I think this is a situation that probably a lot of people are going to be in this year because even if you're following corn, we have not seen rain across the state for about a month now. And so really our recommendation for planting cover crops is to wait until it, we get a, a good rain so that you can establish this. So a lot of people are going to be going in with their cover crops late. So when you are planting late, we found in terms of percent cover across that growing season, really only the cereals did well. And there are a few options in there. So the cereal rye, wheat, triticale, and oats, you can throw out a diverse mix, but really only the cereals were enough to provide us cover. But that doesn't mean to, to cut out your legumes entirely, especially if you're planning on planting corn next year, because it's really important to have those legumes in there to help offset any kind of nitrogen deficit you might get from your cereals. So even though you're not going to get any cover from the legumes through the growing season, in the spring they will start producing more biomass 
and can provide you some good biomass there at the end of the season. But don't expect to see them growing much here in the, the fall and the winter months since they're being planted later. Um, in terms of the brassicas, really if you're planting late, we have not seen very good growth from those brassicas. So if you do, if you have to include a brassica in there, uh, it looks like turnip and canola might provide you some benefits at the end of the season, but just like those legumes, you're really not going to see much benefit in the fall and the winter from those. Okay, good information to know. You know, in talking with you, I was I was really surprised to learn how many cover crop species are available. Uh, there really are just a lot of options out there. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned some that would do well. Are the old standards still the best, or are there some new cover crops out there that are that are being suggested that excite you? Uh, in terms of our, our standards, what we see most people growing are things like wheat, our cereal rye, crimson clover, hairy veg, and um, the winter pea. And all of those did perform very well in this test as well. So our old standards are still good. Some of the new things that really excite me are the woolly pod veg, which I don't think a lot of people know about. And that performed very well. It was one of our top performers in terms of our legumes, right up there with the crimson clover. And then I think in terms of our cereals, looking at things beyond just wheat and cereal rye, the oats and the triticale, they can provide some additional diversity in those mixtures. So I think they're also good things to consider beyond what most people are traditionally putting in. What do you see as the greatest barrier to cover crop adaptation? I think there's a pretty steep learning curve for cover crops, especially in establishing our cash crops into those covers. Um, if you don't have a whole lot of biomass, it's not that different from your traditional no-till. But if you get some of these six-foot, seven-foot-tall cereal rise in there, then mm-hmm. that can be pretty intimidating when you're trying to go in and plant and you're not used to that. So I think that lo- learning how to plant, learning the appropriate equipment to help cut through some of that biomass, and then also nutrient management, I think, can be kind of tricky. And that really depends on when you're terminating, and and a lot of different things, what you end up with in your mix at the end of the season. So I think that there are a lot of challenges, but there is a lot of research going on here in Tennessee and across the nation on how we can better manage cover crops. And so uh, I think that we are advancing rapidly in terms of giving producers a better idea of how we can most effectively manage these systems. Sure. And we've all heard the many benefits cover crops can offer, but I mean, you know, are cover crops right for every farm? Are there some forms where that's not a good situation? I I would say, in my opinion, in the Southeast and here in Tennessee, I think that they are a good fit for most of our production systems. Now, in areas where there's not a lot of rainfall in the winter and where you need every drop of water you have to support your cash crop, then cover crops are not a good fit. But here in the southeast where we get plenty of rainfall, particularly during those winter months, I think cover crops really make a lot of sense, and they provide a lot of benefits to our production systems. Hmm. So, Virginia, tell us what's next for you and and your research program. Well, I think the next step is looking at varieties in terms of cover crops. So when we started the species study, there really wasn't a lot out there. Uh, You you go to the co-op and you see a lot of VNS. So variety not stated because people weren't really breeding for cover crops, but there's a lot of work and that work is in the southeast and the northeast across the nation really 
in terms of trying to breed better cover crops. And so we have a cover crop variety trial that's going in this fall where we have 63 varieties. And I can tell you, I was shocked to get so many entries of cover crop varieties. Wow, that's a lot. So I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, we looked at these broad species categories, but look within those species, is there a lot of variation? For example, like Bersine clover, it did not do well in our species test, but are there certain varieties of Bersine clover that will do well in Tennessee? Um, And so rather than making these broad generalizations across species, just like corn and soybeans, we can go in and say, okay, well, this variety is something that's very well suited for our area, or very well suited for your particular type of production system. I think we're also going to start doing some work on rates, so trying to figure out um, what do I plant at the beginning of the season to get what I really need at the end of the season, because that changes across the season. And then also we're looking into dual-use cover crops. So we've got some work that's coming out probably this fall or early next year on using these cover crops as forages. So that can add some additional economic benefit to your system. And then also using some of those brassica species for things like sustainable jet fuel. So can we add extra benefit into our typical corn-soy rotation by adding cover crops that can serve a dual purpose, both enhancing the, the environment and also providing us some economic benefit. Hmm, very interesting. Brassicas as jet fuel? Yes. Very interesting. Well, we'll be excited to hear that. Now, you'll be in West Tennessee next spring. You have a, a an event coming up in Milan. Is that correct? Yes. We'll have our um, climate change adaptation field day, which is in March. I don't have an exact date for that yet, though. Okay. But we'll be showing off our variety trials then. So if you want to come out and see all these different cover crop varieties, that's a great opportunity to do that. Okay. And we'll have more information on that event as it nears, but I'm sure every a lot of people will be interested in being able to see this research firsthand. Um, Virginia, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you sharing your knowledge and research on cover crops. And thanks again for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Call of the Week. And we'll talk next week. (laughs) 